hold an invitation to come and be a part of the work here at Olive Branch. We think that it's a great church, and we're grateful for the opportunity to serve God and to be a part of the body of Christ. I do want to mention the fact that Wade Webster's with us this morning, and many of you know Wade is a missionary, does a lot of great work, and we support him, and we're very glad that we are a part of his work. There are two parts to the Great Commission. There is the going and the sending, and not all of us can go, but we can send. And so we're very thankful to be a part of that work, and we pray that God will continue to bless him in a mighty way as he does his best to reach the lost for Christ. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, and really, there are a lot of texts in Scripture that are appealing. And we think about the treasure house of Scripture. There are personal Scriptures that say a lot to us at times. And there are favorite Scriptures. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17, this is to me one of the mountaintop passages in all the New Testament. And there is so much rich material here. And you could preach so many different lessons from this one text. And I want us to look at this text this morning because, to me, it is a gem. And there are just so many rich, rich lessons that emerge out of a study of what Paul says here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. The title of our lesson today, Reasons Why... Paul was sold on the Lord Jesus. I think the Apostle Paul was sold on Jesus because he realized Jesus was sold on him. And I would hope and pray that all of us realize our worth, our importance in the eyes of God. I would hope and pray that you would never let anyone devalue your soul. Your soul is worth more than all the world. And that's a great thing. To know that God places a premium on your soul. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, I think, reflects on the value of the human soul. I said a moment ago, we're going to be talking about reasons why Paul was sold on Jesus. I want to ask you a question. Are you sold on Jesus? He's sold on you, but are you sold on Him? There's some reasons why I believe Paul was sold on Jesus, and I'm just going to state three very simplistic reasons why the Apostle Paul believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and why he was so sold on Him. Number one, I believe because he understood what it meant to be lost. Now, there are a lot of things we could say about why Paul was sold on Jesus. But I think first and foremost, he was sold on him because he understood what it meant to be lost. Listen, if you would, as he describes his sinful activities. I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, 
persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul here states the obvious, that he had done a lot of bad things in his life. In Acts chapter 26, Paul would recount his life as a Jew. And he said, I did many things contrary to the name of Jesus. What about your life? Are there things in your life today that are contrary to the Lord Jesus? In other words, your very lifestyle is a conflict when it comes to the Lord and His will and His ways. Do you drink alcohol? Do you gamble? Do you watch pornography? Do you lie? Are you a thief? Do you gossip? Are there things in your life that in the eyes of God would be contrary to His will, to His way? Paul here says, Look, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. I was a violently arrogant man. He said, Many of the saints, he said, I shut up in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Paul was said to have made havoc of the church. He was an enemy of the cause of Christ. So first, his sinful activities, and then listen, if you would, to his self-analysis. If someone were to ask you to sum up in one sentence your life, what would you say? How would you analyze yourself? I want you to listen to what Paul said, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Now listen, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. What do you mean, Paul? Paul is saying, look, you want to know, you want to know what a sinner looks like? Then look at my life. I'm the worst of the worst. Paul didn't try to blame other people for his life, did he? Didn't try to shift the blame on his parents or possibly his siblings. Didn't try to shift the blame to the culture of his day. No, the apostle Paul manned up. And he said, look, I am the chief of sinners. So how would you describe your life? What would you say about your life prior to becoming a Christian? If you're not a Christian, how would you describe your life? You need to understand that one of the greatest tools of the devil is to make you think you're beyond the scope of redemption. In other words, you're like Paul. You're the chief of sinners. And the bottom line, there's no hope for you. All is lost. Paul understood what it meant 
to be lost. Do you know what it means to be lost? Paul said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Paul said in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, he said, it's death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You ever had the flu? You ever hurt so bad that the hairs on your head, they hurt? You ever been in such intense pain you thought you were going to die, but afraid you wouldn't? You ever been there? It's a terrible feeling. Let me tell you what. You can take your worst day in life, the very absolute worst day in your life, and it won't even begin to compare to what it means to be lost in a place called hell. You just can't understand it. I can read about it, I can talk about it, I can preach about it, but you can't understand it. Paul understood what it meant to be lost. There's a second reason why I believe the Apostle Paul was sold on Jesus. He was sold on Jesus because he understood love. He understood that he was loved. Listen now to what he says beginning in verse 14. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. There are two things. Now we talk about the unmerited favor of God, God's grace, God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And the Bible talks about how we have been saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Paul understood that he was loved. And of course, the catalyst behind the grace of God, his great love. You see, Paul knew that God had declared his love for him. And here's what you need to understand. God is saying to you, I love you as well. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. His character, His nature is that of love. And so what we have to understand is God loves us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul said, But God who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. He said, for by grace are you saved. God's love is great. And there are folks that will tell you today, God doesn't love you. And I really believe that there are people today that have the idea that because of where they've been, what they've done, what they've said, that there's no way God in heaven would love them. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God loves us. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. That's what John said in 1 John chapter 4. Let me tell you what, Paul understood that God loved him. And I think what Paul would want us to know is God loves us. God loves each and every person in the human family. Can I, can I 
Can I come face to face and really genuinely understand the love of God? I'm not sure I can. I know that God said of the children of Israel, I've loved them with an everlasting love. And I really believe that Paul, Paul understood those declarations of love. But he also understood God's demonstration of love. Talk is cheap. There are a lot of people that will tell you in this world they love you, but they never back it up. And there are a lot of people that will express emotions of love when genuinely, when it's all said and done, they really don't love you. How do I know God loves me? How do I know He loves you? Listen to Paul. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, Paul said, When we were yet without strength, Christ died for whom? The ungodly. In verse 8 he said, But God commendeth His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. Paul is saying, look, let me tell you how God loves you. Let me tell you how much He loves you. He loves you so much He sent His Son to die for your sins. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, welded to a cross on Calvary 2,000 years ago put to death between two thieves. And from that cross, the words that continue to emanate to fallen humanity, I love you. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Paul understood. He understood what it meant to be loved. And I think one of the great selling points of Christianity is that God loves us. And there are people in our world today, I, I, I can promise you, they don't believe anybody loves them, they don't believe anybody cares about them, and they sure don't believe God loves them. The Bible says not only does God love us, but He cares about us. He is concerned about our plight here on planet earth. As a matter of fact, Peter said, casting all your care on him. And why is, why is that? Because he cares for you. So God loves you and God cares for you. There's a third reason why I believe Paul was sold on the Lord Jesus. And that is he was sold on the Lord Jesus because he had been liberated. Listen now to what is said. He said, The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul knew what it meant to be saved in Christ. Paul was a blessed man. He was blessed to be cleansed by the Lord. Did you know that the Apostle Paul enjoyed the blessings of knowing that all of his sins were washed away? In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, in recounting his conversion to Christ, he said, Ananias came to him as was instructed by the Lord. Ananias said, and now, why are you tearing? What are you waiting on, Paul or Saul? 
Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The Lord had appeared to Saul on the road to Damascus. He was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Ananias said to him, Look, when you're baptized, all of your sins will be washed away. Pentecost Day. When those people cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles and asked the question, What shall we do? Peter said, Here's what you do. You repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins or for the forgiveness of your sins. Paul knew what it meant to be cleansed. Now you think about here is a guy that had been a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. When Stephen had been put to death, they laid their clothes at the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. Here was, a, here was an individual that had made havoc of the church. No telling how much harm he had done to the cause of Christ. Paul says, look, I am the chief of sinners. And now, as a result of my obedience to the gospel of Christ, because of the graciousness of a God in heaven, I am cleansed. And the Hebrew writer said about that cleansing in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, God said, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. He said, I will remember no more. When God forgives us, He no longer holds those sins against us. Now there are people in this world, you might wrong them, you might do something to them. It might be the fact that they will even tell you, look, I forgive you, let's put it behind us and go forward. And then six months or a year later, what will they do? They'll dredge it back up again. And they'll say, you know, when you, when you did that back last year, you really hurt me. God doesn't do that. God cleansed Paul of his sins. So, here was a man that was cleansed, and then secondly, no longer under condemnation. Do you remember what he said to the saints in Rome in Romans chapter 8, verse 1? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. At one time, the Apostle Paul had been living in sin. He was lost, as he would say. In Ephesians chapter 2, he was without hope, without God in the world. And yet, as a result of obeying the gospel, enjoying the, the benefits of the blood of Christ, he had been cleansed and he was without condemnation. He was no longer on death row, as we would say, out of the penitentiary, freed from a life of sin. And so, Paul understood. He understood what it meant to be saved. And then there's a second thing. Paul understood what it meant to be a servant. Pick up again with me, if you would, verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Listen to him. Putting me into the ministry. Do you think that there are people in our world today that have the idea because of their wicked and sinful past, 
that even if they were to become a Christian, God couldn't use them? You think there are people like that? I had a conversation with a fellow one time that lost his way in life. He was a member of the body of Christ, done a lot of good things for the cause. He got messed up in a life of sin. Left the church, walked away from his family, in many respects ruined his life. And then like the prodigal, some years ago he came to himself and said, you know what, I need to make things right. So made things right, got his life back in order, and is used by God today. He told me on one occasion, he said, I never dreamed that God could ever use me again. Paul had some deep scars. His life, well documented. And yet God was saying to him, I can use you. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 9, he said, He is a chosen vessel of mine. God can use you. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And you think about here is a guy that believed Jesus was sold on him. First, we've got to understand Jesus is sold on us. He would have never gone to the cross had he not been sold on us. Once we get that truth, then we can turn around and be sold on Christ, just like Paul was. So you look at the life of Paul and you think about, okay, where did he go? What did he do? How did he live? When I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, first I see a guy focused on the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, you see a guy that was, as we would say, locked in. He was locked in on the Lord. Everything else, a distant second. In Colossians chapter 3, at verse 4, Paul said, For Christ, who is our life. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, Paul would say, For to me to live is what? It's Christ. When you, talk, when you talked to Paul in the first century, let me tell you what, you didn't get very far in a conversation before he brought up the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sold on the Lord. He was focused on the Lord. Could I ask you, are you focused on the Lord? Look at the life of Paul. It's evident. It was absolutely evident. His life was focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you focused on the Lord? Not only was he focused, but he was fervent in his service to the Lord. When he wrote to the church at Rome, he said, not lagging in service. And the idea is we're to diligently serve the Lord. Go back and read the book of Acts and note how many towns Paul and Silas, for example, were run out of. Look at his missionary endeavors with Barnabas and then with Saul. And look at the hardships and difficulties and trials that he faced. And yet his intent, the same. His desire, the same. What was that desire? To make Christ known throughout all the world. As a matter of fact, 
Paul was a walking, talking servant of God. Everything revolving around one person, Jesus Christ. So here's a guy that was focused in his service to the Lord, fervent in his service to the Lord, and then thirdly, he was faithful in his service to the Lord. When he wrote to Timothy his very last letter, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being offered. He said, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Let me just ask you this question. How would you define faithfulness to the Lord? I asked Jared this past week. I said, can you give me a, a definition of faithfulness? How would you define it? When we talk about somebody being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, what does that mean? Doesn't it mean that we love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind? If we're faithful to Him? If we're faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't that mean that He is, as, he, as Paul would say in Colossians 3, verse 4, our life? Doesn't it mean that for me to live is Christ. In other words, that's what it's all about. My life is all about Christ. If you read Philippians chapter 1, you'll find out the Apostle Paul was saturated with Christ. Just underline how many times Paul appeals to Christ in Philippians chapter 1. That'll give you some insight into what his life was all about. So it means to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. It means to make him our life. It means to put Him first in our life. So what does that mean? It means when I have the opportunity to worship God, I worship Him. When I have the opportunity to read and study His Word, I do that. When I have the opportunity to pray to God, I do that. It means when I have the opportunity to share the gospel with other people, I do that. It means when I have the opportunity to serve somebody who's in need, I do that. It means when I have the opportunity to bear the burdens of another person, I do that. It means when I have the opportunity to encourage, I do that. Are you doing that? Is that what your life's about? Could I close by just saying this? Paul was sold on Jesus. He was sold on him. And the reason he was sold on him is because he understood the Lord was sold on him. Could I be honest with you? You know, Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. Some of us aren't sold on him like we ought to be, are we? We're really not. We just go through the motions. You see, if we're not careful, what happens is we get into the habit of coming on Sunday morning and we punch our time clock. We say, you know what, we've done the will of God this week and we're back out in the world. Being a Christian doesn't work that way. It's not an exercise that we go through one or two hours a week. It's 24-7. It is reflected in how we act, in what we do, in what we say, in where we go. 
And we either meet the criterion of a New Testament Christian or we do not. We are either in or we're out. We're either hot or we're cold. We're one or the other. No in-betweens. And if you have the idea that you can ride the fence post and just do your own thing and then try to please the Lord some, let me tell you what, you're, you're fooling yourself. It doesn't work that way. Paul was sold on the Lord. Let me tell you what, many of the disciples in the first century, they were sold on the Lord to the extent they laid down their lives for the cause. It's all about serving. For whatever reason, somehow, somewhere, sometime, the concept of servanthood has gotten lost in our modern world and in the church. And we're too good to be servants. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he began his introduction by stating that he and Timothy were servants of the Lord. If you're sold on Jesus, you'll be a servant. If you're not sold on him, you're just doing your own thing. So we close today by asking this question. Are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, here's what you need to do. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, as Peter said on Pentecost Day. Confess the name of Christ, as the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Be baptized into Christ. God will wash away your sins. He'll put you in the church, Acts 2, 47. If you do that... And you're faithful till death. The promise is the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. James 1.12 If you're not what you ought to be and maybe you need the prayers of the church, let me tell you what, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. And God will abundantly pardon. Won't you come as we stand and sing?